CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports and brought to you all football season long, which apparently continues. Um, by the good folks over at ThoriumWealth.com. Check them out online, ThoriumWealth.com for more information, full disclosures, T-H-O-R-I-U-M. Our thanks to them for their support of the show. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, December the 10th. Uh, Virginia doesn't have a football game this week. Virginia doesn't have a basketball game this week. We're all in a state of disarray. Um, we're all we're just not even sure what to do with ourselves. Uh, but, yes, the exam break has arrived. Virginia, obviously, um, on the football side, has closed down. I guess we can technically call the ACC championship game a, the regular season. But for all intents and purposes, they've now entered the postseason proper. Orange Bowl on deck later this month. Cavaliers will return to the hardwood next Wednesday night. Um, so we have plenty of time to discuss kind of where things are on both fronts. Um, I asked the, the, the fellas what, which one we wanted to talk about earlier. I forgot and then forgot again. So um, we'll see what happens. Uh, let's go around and introduce everybody. We'll start up in Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Brad. Back from Charlotte. Excited to talk about the experience there. And, uh, you know, football's over. It's weird. Well, most of this football it's season's over. over. It's, not, it's almost over, and it's it's weird. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter, and uh, up in rest and staff writer Justin Ferber is also on this here program. How are you, my friend? Bueno, muy bueno. Wow. Bienvenidos a Miami. Wow. Yeah. Forget yeah, about yeah, Charlotte. I, I, That's in the past. I'm <laughs> moving on. I'm suddenly, very uncomfortable with the appropriation happening right now on my podcast. Hey, I I am a Miami native. Okay. I'll say what <laughs> Wait, I want. what? Yeah. I was born there. I, is, wait, is that fake news or did you were you really born there? No, that is real news. Jackson Memorial Hospital. Google it. It's, wow. I changed I, my vote. I don't want to talk about football first. I want to talk about Ferber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of family still there. But uh, yeah, South Florida born and raised. Well, not raised, just born. Um, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, hey, damn, Brad, where not... are you born? Just to make sure. I don't, don't want to know where with Rodden with 305 okay. down here. <laughs> so, all right. so, you know what's really funny? is Ferber said that. I was like, yeah, where? because I was born in Virginia. And then I was like, was it Petersburg? And I was like, yeah, it was Petersburg, right? And then I was like, was it Prince George? Where's the hospital? In 1981. Like, where? where's the hospital? I, I think it's Petersburg. I'm pretty sure it's Petersburg. Oh, is it? Um, yeah, Petersburg General. What's funny is I remember it was four eleven in the afternoon, um, but you remember you like came out and were like, okay, oh, I'm, I, I mean of the story, man, of the story. I was born in Jeez. South Hill. Oh, see, look yeah. at that, see, Ferber, you are the you're the weakest link. Um, man, I did not know you were born in Miami. That's pretty cool. Also, all right. Also, saying I wish I'd known this weekend. Spanish isn't cultural appropriation. It's just a oh different my gosh. language. It was a joke. <laughs> I was kidding. Well, I mean, you were kind of doing it with like a. You weren't just talking. You weren't just speaking Spanish, though. You were That's doing his it with native like a tongue. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't go full. I didn't go full Will Smith song, but I, I, I went halfway. Yeah. Um. Wow. Y'all enjoy Man, this podcast. podcast is off to a just to a banner start. <laughs> yeah. Um. Unfortunately, we did not. We, did, we, did we say football? What did we say? Football. Okay, we did not uh, get to record that uh, podcast, which I was very prepared for this time. I mean, I had every piece of podcasting equipment known to man. I mean, that, that I own. That um, podcast is going to last for hours because I think we invited that, like 15 people to participate. Yes, shout out to Missy uh, and the crew. Um, she was so excited. Also, was, also, that podcast, like the chances of that podcast happening were like beyond remote. Like, <laughs> am I missing well, something? Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, listen, just, listen, listen. People are allowed to get excited wah, wah, wah. about hey, be, things. Be prepared. Be prepared is a good motto. I was a I was a Cub Scout back in the day. I think that was the Cub Scout motto or Boy Scout motto. Uh, but I also think that people should have been prepared for the result. Well, I, th- I think people were prepared for the result. I, I I don't know. Put it to you like this: we we've we talked about on a podcast several podcasts ago, right? About how we thought Virginia fans weren't ready for the bumps in the way that the hoops program is going to go to, even though everybody was saying they're ready for the bumps, right? You you can think you're going to be losing a game by four or five touchdowns. And until you kind of get blasted and see it in person, right. Or see it on TV for a lot of folks, right? Like it's hard to, you know, to fathom like, Oh wow. They really beat the crap out of you. Uh, but that's, you know, that was always going to happen. The uh, funny thing is uh, this used to happen all the time. <laughs> like, UVA used to get blown <laughs> and, out a lot, and so it was like normal. And now it was the weird thing about it was like, oh, this hasn't happened in a while. This is a new feeling. The thing I want to start with about Clemson is for, so Ferber and I went down on the field um, before the game. Listen, man, <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 crap. Now I don't know if you do know where it's going, and I want to put you on the spot. Um, first off, Clemson fans. I mean, they are everywhere, and they were very, uh, they're very, they were unafraid to comment to Ferber and I about how yeah. they would like to have our what did they call them? They didn't call them credentials. They called them necklaces. They were like, "Hey, brother, can we switch spots with you down there?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." I bet you you're so having a great time. The one guy was like, "I bet you you're just having the best time right now," and I was like, "Actually, the team I cover is about to get pasted." But okay, <laughs> um, but no, the thing that was I was gonna where I was going though, aside from that, was like, dude, Clemson is legit like take away the scoreboard take away everything else i'm just talking about like just watching them go through drills like they were a pro football team dude like and i'm not saying that for hyperbole's sake i'm not saying that because they beat the crap out of uva i'm just saying that like i watched i went i was down the field uh for that usc game right several years ago i mean that group saturday night was the closest thing to a professional team i've ever seen in college I mean, every dude was massive and could move and was agile. I mean, just the stuff, I just don't even like, I don't know how to like compare that to like most of the teams I see. Yeah. So right? do you like, remember, do you remember I, I did, the direction I thought you were going to go with this? Do you remember what happened when we got off the elevator in the tunnel? And we got off the elevator in the tunnel. To walk no, on the re- field? Remind me. Oh, yes. Okay. So we get off the we get off the elevator in the tunnel. Thank you. So we get off the elevator in the tunnel, and these two dudes, I don't even know who they were. It doesn't they matter were who they were. Linemen, they were definitely linemen. They were defensive linemen. linemen. Yeah. And these cats, all they did was come out of their locker room and turn, and Ferber was like, this is a loss. Like, that's all he said. <laughs> he was just, they were he the just two, saw they, they two were like, dudes and was like, this is over. They looked like they ate Jawan Briggs. That was like they oh were my God. massive humans, and like you could tell, like just from the way that like they like you could just tell that like they could probably run like a four seven, four six and a half. Yeah, they look like they like pick up basketball players that you would be like, oh, this guy can't be athletic, and then he just right. dominates. Yeah, like these dudes could definitely dunk. Like they 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 look like that. Yeah, we walked out, and that and Ferber was like, well, this is a loss. Um, but no, like I'm I mean, obviously saying, I was kidding, but I wasn't. <laughs> but you kind of weren't, and that's okay. I think that's the thing I, I want to talk about the most, right? Which is when you know you're going to get the crap beat out of you, right? And then you do. Like you shouldn't be surprised, but it doesn't change the feeling that you like. I think that Ferber and I had this conversation later, like on our walk back to the hotel. Like it, it would be different if UV, like UVA showed some, had some moments, right? But it was, it was 
thorough enough of a beatdown that you never I, I don't think folks should be frustrated with it, right? And I saw some folks on Twitter talking about the you know the refs this and you know whatever, but I'm like that like to beat a team that good, you need to be that good, and then also some things have to go right for you. Like they have to make mistakes, and Virginia's defense just never put Clemson in a spot where they were going to make a mistake. Like this wasn't going to happen, right? Like as good as the offense was, you know that first I mean that first drive looked really good until the turnover. And they had some really good spots, but I, I think that it would be you can you're allowed to be frustrated in that situation if you're a Virginia fan, if Clemson makes a bunch of mistakes and UVA doesn't capitalize on them, or if they were they were in a spot where they were beatable and UVA let them off the hook, no pun intended, right? That is definitely not what happened Saturday night in, in Charlotte, right? Like this was this was you were like sign up for a like a like a like a um, some sort of like fitness class, and you got your tail kicked just as you expected. Um, but you're glad that you went, and it was better for you in the long run. Um, you know, it was not sneaky at all, right? It it was not. There was no, you know, there were no delusions of grandeur, and that's okay. Like it's totally okay. Uh, Dave, what was your experience? And um, share with the good people some of your thoughts on this this uh, development. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's two separate things, right? It's like you know, being there and then the game. Um, being there was fun. I, there were less Virginia people than I expected to be there, um, but I really, but I really don't know how many were there because it was so many Clemson folks and they're all wearing orange and Virginia fans were inter- interspersed. But you know, you know we, we had a good time leading up to the game. Uh, the Virginia, UVA tailgate was fun. We we had some fun with some other Virginia fans before that. So up till then, it was good. And even just the atmosphere for uh, like I was a, obviously we were at the Belk Bowl. Um, I mean, this definitely felt different than the Belk Bowl. Uh, but man, Clemson fans, uh, the people at the hotel were kind of joking how they come take over the town every year. And man, they did because just about every parking lot between, you know, the hotels and the stadium was just, just Clemson people, people tailgating. Yeah. yeah. Um, there were the people we thought about like there would be fatigue. There was yeah. not, there was, there no was no, fatigue. and that's the thing is that like, I guess when you're that good. You know, yeah. and 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 you're that close. You know, yeah. Like I think if UVA was in the ACC tournament championship every year, there wouldn't be fatigue. People would just be no. like, "Let's just go win again." <laughs> like, but it was yeah. like we were talking about walking somewhere. I think we were. I don't. I forget where we were walking for, but we were talking about it. it was like you know, it'd be like if if UVA was playing the ACC championship game in Richmond. You know, like oh, yeah, essentially, we, yeah. It would be full of UVA people, regardless of whatever happened last year, how many times they've won it, blah blah blah. I, I think as a team, um, man. Trevor Lawrence is the truth. Like, I came away from that game just super impressed with him. Now, that's not to say I think he should win the Heisman or any of that stuff. I'm just saying, like, personally, um, he's probably top three quarterbacks I've ever seen in person. Just like you, you think you think when you see him on TV that like he's he's kind of scrawny, but you see him in person, you're like, yo, he's kind of he's all like, he's like very big. <laughs> he's a yes, big dude, man, and he can move. Everybody like, that's on the thing, that like, team is big. Even the wide receivers who look like speedsters on TV are big and fast. Um, yeah. I mean, you saw, like, T. Higgins next to Nick Grant. I mean, T. Higgins is tall, but, like, I thought he was kind of slender, and he just, like, put him on the ground. Like, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Let, was, Lawrence, I thought the thing that was most impressive about him was just he, like, there were plays where he had pressure, and he looked like he didn't care. He was just, just like, could not yeah, care it doesn't less. matter. Yeah. Like, and, then he would, and then he would put a strike on somebody. Like, it was just ridiculous. But – 
there was they're this, just uh, there was they're this... just like relentless in every yeah. phase, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I think offensively, it was easy the most easily the most complete and best offensive team I've ever seen in person, and that's above yeah. the USC team. And I I thought as a whole they probably were going into the game, but I do think their defense is a little bit suspect on the front. I agree. I thought yeah, UVA I had a, like I mean I don't want to like you know make this like a total bright spot and and you know an absolute blowout but i was uva's offense exceeded my expectations yeah, yeah. i would agree with that me too but me just too. the first, I thought they the looked first real two sharp. drives i was like I, I you know i still didn't think they were gonna win but the first two drives i was like is this happening yeah they mean, drove the God. field twice bryce had so much time to throw like, yeah. And I understand in some level, that like because I'm not Dubois, he had like six seconds or something. I'm not gonna rewatch this thing. No, 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 no spoilers. Um, it was weird. Like, like, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was gonna say, but like, I, 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 I'm almost positive what Clemson was doing was basically dropping guys back and basically assuming, yeah. like, you know what, we've got to, we've got to keep everything in front of us. We can't let this kid beat us, and that's fine. But like, even so, like that has not necessarily been a thing. Virginia's offensive line has, you know, excelled at even when teams weren't bringing pressure. The fact that Virginia was able to pick up whatever they brought for the most part all night long, I was really impressed by that. Yeah, and to me, like, the first drive, I mean, we sat down. I mean, I think we all kind of knew it was coming when we got there. Um, but you wanted to, you know, you want to show out. And after that first drive, it would have been really interesting to me to, for that drive to be a touchdown and just see Clemson have to make – I mean, it, the result probably would have been the same. But it would have been fun to see Clemson have to play from behind for a series. Um and then the second drive, they came out and they kind of duplicated it. And to me, I think the reason you saw a little bit of frustration from Virginia fans is because the offense was moving the ball pretty, yeah. pretty well. And, that, and that's and look, that's fair. I'm not, I'm certainly not like going to impugn. Like I'm not going to say like you're not allowed. But I'm just saying like the general sense. This thing did not take long to flush from people's systems, right? Like you, you sort of knew what it was going in. You you saw what you saw. You had some things. I think if you're a Virginia fan going forward, that you can be a little, you know, oh, okay. I think the the heat on Doctor Bob is a little bit. Uh, I mean, even more turned down than it was, right? He's, you know, the offense has really done a nice yeah. job. I mean, he should be pretty, pretty freaking vindicated after this. In like, some, yeah, I mean, like once they had an offensive line, you know, that was that was performing at a, at a decent level, man. They they really they've really played well. There's no doubt about that. I mean, if you look at what Clemson's defense has done, like when they the first drive of the game, I mean, they didn't pick UVA to get shut out or anything. But the first drive of the game, they go down into the red zone, and I was like, well, at least they're not going to get shut out because I thought that was in play. Like, Clemson had everything to play for, and they hadn't given up more than, like, seven points in a game in however many games. Like, so UVA's offense is probably better than some of those, but, like, they're not elite. So, like, I thought it was possible that they would lose this game, like, 38 nothing or 38-3. to um, yeah. But I was like, oh, they're actually moving. And they, they consistently – I thought Bronco hit it in his press conference. He said they – you know, we – felt like we consistently moved the ball throughout the game and they had trouble consistently stopping us and that's true i mean they had very few drives that were three and out it felt like yeah i mean look let's the offensive line got better as the season went on as hard as we were on them in the middle of the year when we kind of had that slump you know that was an impressive impressive change and then bryce perkins just got better as the year went on um obviously the virginia tech game to me was his best one this one wasn't far behind it especially given the competition yeah. he had. I thought he played really well. Yeah. And when you're playing a team that like, it, it's just proof, like how, how important it is or how much better it makes your team. If your quarterback is dynamic, you know, in the, in the passing game and running game, it just, it's, if Clemson can't figure out a way to shut out a guy like that, how does any other team do it? Who doesn't have five stars falling off the, the bus? Um, 
And then a lot of the route concepts were, there was a couple new route concepts in the game. Um, mm. Perkins was a lot more accurate. Like it was just, to me, the offensive game plan was very good. And I will own up to this because I was pretty hard on Dr. Bob during the year. I was staying, you know, I was in the team hotel when they got back and Dr. Bob was one of the few, you know, all the coaches came back, the players flew out after the game. Um, I like shook Dr. Bob's hand, told him, you know, <laughs> I appreciated the, the game plans the last few weeks. And he said, Thank you. We got to do a little bit better. And then that was it. Um, <laughs> Typical Robert and I yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was one of those things where it was just like they did. I, I felt like they had a, they came in and weren't just like resigned to losing. They were moving the ball and trying to do stuff. And they had a I thought they had a good game plan. And like you said, Bryce is good. Billy Kemp, I thought was really good. Hasis Dubois probably helped his draft stock quite a bit. So it wasn't all negative. Yeah, that's true. I think to me too, like if you want to quibble, like that that one decision to punt, I didn't like. But I mean, like that wasn't obviously going to be the difference yeah. in the game. But like I thought, as I said, when that happened, I was like, it won't matter. <laughs> yeah, it won't matter. I, I I do think that the kids came in um, looking to to play. Like they weren't afraid, and they, and the moment wasn't too big for them. You know, ultimately they just ran up against a buzzsaw. I mean, that's that team is really freaking good. Um, and, and yeah, they're going to be some. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say they're gonna be some records, offensive records from that game that probably stand for a while. You know, it's the most points scored in ACC, whatever. That team, that team would do that to everybody. Like, if there's a coastal team that thinks that they were gonna have a shot at that thing, they're crazy. Like, yeah. unless you know, short of you know some sort of plague overtaking the locker room uh, in Clemson, you just yeah. it just wasn't gonna happen. I mean, we've yeah. seen ACC teams week in and week out, like good ones, bad ones. You know, Florida State's got a lot of talent. There is nobody that is even close to that. Not even close. Not, not even close. No, well, like well I'm not sure machine, you could be Clemson if you put like the coastal teams together. Um, <sighs> wow, that's actually good. That's a really good offseason yeah, topic. Yeah. Um, we, should, we should totally do that. <laughs> yeah. So it, uh, the, what I was going to say, though, is um, I, I do th- – look, I saw, I saw the Tech fans chirping about the score and the other coastal fans chirping about the score. Uh, and some of that – what impressed me the most was that – Virginia just didn't decide to come out and kind of just sit on the ball and, and try to run the clock out. The reason Clemson was able to score so much is Virginia was aggressive the whole game. They ran tempo a lot. Yeah. They passed the ball a lot. Even when the even when the game was out of hand, like Virginia kept doing what they're doing, which is going to help us in the bowl game, help the young guys moving forward. Um, look, I, I'm not going to get into a big discussion. I didn't particularly care for the last touchdown. I didn't care for him snapping the ball 10 seconds into the play clock up, up that big. But, you know, they were excited about it, whatever. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those guys are like walk-ons and stuff, so I don't really care. Yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, and I'm never going to, I'm never, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people who thinks like, you know, if you don't want to get somebody scoring on you, just stop them. Not um, to mention UVA is the is right there, up right up there with Yeah, they can't say, that's, that's why I don't want to get to the these. argument, because like, we've yeah. done it too, right? And, and the other thing to me too, honestly, is like, if you're going to do, if, if if UVA had pulled its starters, I think Clemson would have followed suit. But you can't really get mad when you've got all your dudes in there. You know what I'm saying? Like if you had taken out Bryce earlier, I think that would have been yeah. the signal. But you you know you kept yeah. him in, you were pushing. And look, no, I, I don't have any shade. Like you know, it, it kind of is what it is. Um, before we move over to basketball, I do want to talk. I mean, we'll have plenty of time to to talk about Florida and the matchup. I, I kind of want to like we all knew that it was going to be the Orange Bowl. Um, I think a lot of us at some point, right, try to almost talk ourselves out of it because it sounded so, like, done. And then once we even found out it was done, I mean, even then it was like trying to, you know, trying to wrap our minds around it. But if you think about, like, Virginia being in the Orange Bowl, 
like we did predictions at the beginning of the season, right? So Ferber wins, quote unquote, we're going to revisit the prop bets, which <clears throat> some of us are going to feel real good about. Um, but Ferber was had yeah. picked UVA to be nine and three, six and two. I had them ten and two, seven and one. Dave had them eleven and one, eight and zero. Oh. I mean, we um, pretty much would all have had them in the Orange Bowl, right? But it, yeah. but in that, but in our situation, maybe not yours, but it definitely in ours, right? They're like in the playoff and all this nonsense, right? But to realistically actually be in the Orange Bowl, um, I, I've been I've done a lot of radio the last few days, and the thing I keep getting asked about is like, so what's this going to mean for the program? And I'm I'm trying to like sort of wrap my hands around, like wrap my arms around it in the sense of like. It's going to be important, and it might not necessarily show up, you know, next Wednesday when they, you know, for early signing, or even, you know, in February. But it's going to be a big deal if for no other reason than just it's a bona fide that the staff can take on the road, right? Like they can go to a kid and say, it reminded me of something Orlando Vandross said that <clears throat> once Virginia won a national championship, they can go into a kid's living room or, or talk to him or whatever and say like they no longer have to sell a vision of the future and the possibility they can say like you, you we've done it right for virginia right now they can say look we've beaten tech you know we've done this that's a that's a little bit of a different pitch than than not and i think it also it, it prepares them for success these guys have confidence now think about like not that long ago these same some of these same kids were winning two games i just think that it's it's sort of a remarkable turn of events and and yeah. I don't, I don't want to get so lost in the minutia of the matchup with Florida that we, that we sort of gloss over the fact that Virginia's playing in the Orange Bowl. Like that just still blows my mind a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that what you just said is perfectly true. I don't think that, I'm still not somebody that's going to think that unless unless UVA reaches like a, a different level that than what they've been, I don't think the recruiting is just going to like be completely different. Than right. what it is, but I think that you can maybe get one or two kids per class, or three or four maybe. Yeah, and those you one or two, three, have, whatever. And that's could, the difference. Could be, yes, exactly. Those those handful of kids, right, are the exact kind of kids that Mike London didn't get, and why he's no longer the. Well, there's a lot of reasons for that, but you see what I mean? Like that's the difference between a program that sustains and a program that has to I think has to fall off and come back again. I think one of the biggest things that will come out of these last two years. And we'll see. I mean, there's no guarantees, but I think that they should be able to get a quality, uh, like a quality, a level of quarterback that maybe they didn't have access to before. Um, I'd agree with that because, and I don't. I mean, we'll see how long that takes to to pay off. Obviously, they already have a 2021 commit now, um, but I, I think that I mean, you can see like if you're a dynamic athlete at quarterback, you know, UVA for one has shown that they're willing to take a risk on kids that are smaller. Um, Court, like people like Bryce, who who was talented but not proven, you know, as a transfer, um, a guy like Kurt, who was kind of like on buried on the depth chart and then hurt at ECU and then came in and put up record-setting numbers. Bryce puts up breaks all those records. I think that that could be the biggest difference. And there's no position more important. So I think that if they could do that, that would be huge. But I think Dave is actually the best person to answer the question about the Orange Bowl because he has more context as far as <laughs> That's like true. how rare this is for. Yeah, a- tell us, Dave. Enlighten us. Story time with Dave. I mean, I mean it, it's pretty rare. Um, I mean, honestly, <laughs> that's the best you got. Yeah. Like we set you Look, up for that, and you just give us that's pretty this rare. This is their yeah. zero. This is their first uh, all-time appearance in the Orange Bowl after zero appearances. Yeah, after zero appearances. To me, like it's more than just the Orange Bowl, right? I mean, I think we're because of how quickly things accelerated the last two years of Bryce. I think we're, it's easy to lose sight of where we were three years ago. Um, I mean, 
when you when we were walking out of the freaking military bowl, did any of us Kit uh, Kurt was about to leave? Um, oh, dude, that's a really good question. Our, our defensive oh, line was man. crap. We also didn't really. I, I don't know if Bryce was even committed at that point. No, uh, he wasn't. No, wait, wait. No, I he think was. he. He had visited. He was. He visited he for was. the tech game, but I can't remember if he was in I or think not he, because we I were sitting. About that. I remember no, thinking like I think they we were might still be debating in. like other. No, other no, no, no. He was coming. No, no, no. He was coming because he was already. He came. He came that semester. He wouldn't have. He wouldn't have had a chance to. Yeah, maybe to I'm. Wait maybe I'm thinking because I. Well, I think what I was thinking of was after the tech game, they didn't have right. him, and then they also didn't have Brendan Armstrong yet, and they got him like mm-hmm. right after that. But it was yeah. kind yeah. of like this is precarious because. I don't know if Lindell Stone is really what they're looking for as a starter. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is kind of crazy. And that's why I thought that I laughed at the people who were like, let's not go to the Orange Bowl. That yeah, would be yeah. embarrassing. Like because if, if that's your Imagine telling the military bowl, Dave, like, hey, two years from now, they're going to be in the ACC championship and go to the Orange Bowl. You would have been like, that sounds awesome. No, I'd have been like, uh, no, I'd rather go to the military bowl and play. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah, I'd rather yes. be in Nashville against no. Indiana or whatever. That thought just couldn't enter your mind because, look, and I think Justin said it earlier, like the chance of the UVA ever going to a college playoff probably hinge on them going to 16 teams or, or just a magical season, single season. Yeah, you have um, to have like an elite NFL. And it, look, that's not a slight on Bronco or anyone else, but – Look, look what teams are in the playoffs every year. It's like six dudes, six teams are alternating there. That's, That's just the way your it hope, is. Your hope is that you can basically be Utah this year. Yeah, your hope is that your you can kind of take care of business and then somebody else loses. <laughs> they didn't your hope it. is you have the season we just had where you yeah. you beat your rival, you win the Coastal, you go to the championship game, and maybe you don't run up against a Clemson one year, a juggernaut Clemson, because that's not going to last forever. Yeah, I mean, um, UVA's path to like a playoff is basically a Washington or a Utah, where it's like they you run the table in a league that is easier to do that, but it's enough to get you in the playoff. Yeah, but that, you, that's just not happening and, and not anytime soon. Like, yeah, yeah, and even if Virginia goes and gets – dusted by florida um which we have plenty of time to talk about whether that will happen over the next couple of weeks but uh, you know a non-win season after where you were considering who you beat to get that non-wins um you know winning on the road in pittsburgh beating virginia tech finally playing against clemson on the national spotlight like I, all that's huge and you may not see it in next the next year with the recruiting class because it's so late in the process but when those when the coaches are out right now like they they went back to the hotel that night because they were all flying out of Charlotte first thing the next morning to go recruiting and you saw them in houses the next day. Um, when they go visit those twenty twenty one guys and the you know, like they're going to get a little better reception. If the the Belk Bowl, remember how much traction the Belk Bowl got them? Yeah, that's like, true. Imagine, that's very true. Now they won that, but on December thirtieth when they're playing in the Orange Bowl, I know it's not the playoffs, which will happen on that Saturday. But you know how many other football games are going on that night? Zero, not a not an NFL game. It's yeah. the only football game on, and it's the quality. It has a name brand recognition that will get people. Everybody, right. it'll get people Everybody to watch the, the game that don't even know who's playing in it. Like, yeah, yep. Everybody knows the Orange Bowl. It's not, and it doesn't no, no shade to the Bell Bowl, but like it's, and that's a thing that you can tell. Like like uh, I'm, I'll just pick on like Manny Alonso, which is probably a bad example because he's from Miami, but um, <laughs> like he can like ten years from now he can be like, yeah, we were on an Orange Bowl team. Like, you know, that's, yeah, he plays. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. You'll look um, back. You know, we talk a lot. And Dave is Dave does this a lot more than I do because he's seen many more games and he just knows God. the history. Well, I'm I just, just mean, you, know, you know, the history better than I do. But you always talk about like the reference, like certain years in terms of like the program. Right. 
Yeah. The, it might not seem like it now, but we are in one of those years now. Oh, yeah, we're 100% on it. Yeah. Yeah. You remember earlier in the season, Herbert joked that like we we're going to remember 2019 is the year UVA played in like nine road, like, excuse me, nine uh, night games. Yeah, one more. No, we're going to remember the year is 2019 is the year UVA went to the Orange Bowl, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Ugh. I mean, think about it. I mean, a quick comparison: 1990, which gets brought up all the time, right? Because Virginia was ranked number one. They didn't beat Tech that year. They didn't win the Atlantic Coast Conference that year. They didn't win their bowl game that year. That year is known. That was for, the Sugar Bowl year. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, but that, that year is known for getting ranked number one for three or four weeks. Um, and, and then, then the Eagles kind of fell off, right? Yeah. I mean, 95, you know, that was a big beat. year, but they lost at Michigan on the last play. They lost at Texas on the last play. They beat Florida State. They did beat Georgia in the Peach Bowl. Um, and they were co champions of the ACC. So to me, like this probably nestles up right next to 95 is the most of the biggest seasons as far as success. Like you could argue 1984 is the most important season because they, made a bowl game and i but think you're, part you're of talking like three or four seasons you know imagine if things had broken a little differently as far as the schedule not wins and losses but like when they came uva might have been ranked like a lot higher in some of these games and those you know like part of the reason those seasons are so memorable is that it feels like oh they were ranked really high or like they won a bunch of games in a row um, they didn't necessarily have that this year, but it was partially just because of getting Notre Dame and Miami back to back. They never really were able to recover from that and get back to ranked until the end. Yeah. If those games had been spread out a little bit more, because remember when UVA played Miami, they were like number 18 or something, even after losing a game. Like, um, yeah. if they had, if those games had been split up a little differently or something, maybe UVA is like number 10 when they go to Notre Dame or something like that. And this season is kind of thought of a little differently. As far as like how good this team right. actually was, but I or mean, if this just hadn't been the Notre Dame year, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, yeah, that, that, or you know, or you know, you win one of these other games, but also it's just like how often. I mean, you, you compare it compare it to the 2007 season where they went they went nine and three, um, they lost the Tech, they lost the Gator Bowl. The Gator Bowl's solid, but it's not on the Orange Bowl level. Um, yeah, true. True, and you know that if they had if they had beaten Tech, they probably would have gone to the Orange Bowl that year. I don't remember who was on the other side of the the championship that year, but it doesn't matter. Right, um, it was Boston College. Um, but like that season was kind of a little bit more smoke and mirrors, I think, just because yeah, it was a lot of close. They won all these like ridiculously close games, and they didn't really beat anybody that was very good. Um, yeah, and it was just kind of like all right, you know, nine and three. And they went to the Gator Bowl. This is like a season that, and then people. The reason I bring that up is because people look back, like younger fans, they look back on that as like the glory days, like you know. And it's like this is a much better season now. Yeah, the Orange a much Bowl better see championship game appearance. A much better glory days. Um, real quick, um, before we transition, uh, first I want to say it was December fifth that year when Bryce committed. So it was before the bowl game. He would have had yeah. to have signed like a week after um, they lost to Tech, probably. Right. So he, he signed not not too long thereafter, um, and then also I, look Bryce Perkins is poised. He's already has the the single single season record for passing by a quarterback. I mean he's not that far off from. He needs three hundred twenty five yards, I believe. Yeah, he, from for all purpose yards or whatever. Like he did that in two years, dude. Like I I, I understand like we're we're talking about this in in sort of a historical context and. You know the way it sets up for the future, and all of that is true. But I think it's worth before we move to to hoops. Like that dude, man. Like, like, like I understand that if you there if you have a handful of different types of 
talents, right? Guys we've seen in the last few years who who kind of have a skill set like Bryce's. Maybe you put them in the same situation and they they can produce. But as Bronco likes to talk about yield all the time, dude, his production is just absurd. And if we remember this, you know, whether wherever UVA goes from here, like that dude deserves every bit of props coming his way. Um, yeah. His toughness too. I mean. The playing through the injuries and everything. I, I Have mean, you ever seen somebody take so many hits where you were like, "Oh, his season's over." He's uh, yeah, and or yeah, he he's definitely not coming back. He just came back and, and he comes I in have, two plays later. But it's usually the Virginia Tech quarterbacks who they played all year, <laughs> yeah. right, with no backup. But yeah, I mean, Bryce, there was what? There's at least there twice. was one in this game where yeah. it was like, "Oh, that looks bad," and he went out for one play and then came back in. Oh, that, so that's, that's there's at least two times in his career that like, looked I was like, like he's not. He's probably just going to come back in the game. Yeah, but there was two games in his career where it looked like it might have been a season-ending injury. Uh, Georgia Tech last year, yeah, um, where it looked like he was done, done, and I can't remember which game it was this year. Um, God, which game did he come out for a few plays this year? He got hit hard. Louisville, Louisville. Um, so yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and then Louisville last year, we thought he like might have broke his hand or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah there, I mean, think about it. And he's had the knee. He had the tonsillitis where he spent a night in the hospital, and then a handful of days later came out and dropped like one of the most iconic performances against tech ever right in Virginia, Virginia tech history. I mean, dude is tough. And, and I think that toughness, I remember like right after he enrolled going to spring practice and like you, you talked to people before that and they were like, yeah, you know, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty clear he's going to be the guy, but you never got the sense from him that he carried it any other way other than just, he just went to work. He was not like, he never had, even if he had an expectation, all right, I'm going to be the starter. He went out and he, he, for lack of a description, he earned it. Like, and did, and everybody just sort of, sort of responded to him, and yeah. he, and they've been doing it for two years. I mean, it, I, like I said, I know we, we got to get to hoops, but like I just felt like, oh, I want, yeah, I want to add one thing on that too, because I, mean, yeah, I think it's something good to debate in the off season, like where he ranks. But, um, what would you say, quick, quickly off the top of your head, Bryce's like the biggest games and the biggest marquee games in Bryce's career over the two years, um, uh, Virginia Tech game. both years, right? Miami yeah, I mean, he was great in that year. game last year. Miami last year, he was terrible. <laughs> yeah, but but he got he got they the, won, you know, but got he had like three picks and no touchdowns. Yeah. Notre Dame this year passing. was pretty big. Um, yeah, I would say the first half of Notre Dame, but really it'll be that that Tech game for me. The big runs and the throws, the and bowl game also. To, he was very good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, both, both just tech him games, being able to to well, also being able his very restart on the offense was big. His first game, I mean, like oh, he yeah, threw yeah. a pick six, and then it was like, whoa, this dude can play after that, you know? Yeah, that, and that the was, hurdles, yeah. But I think, I mean, if nothing else, you know, people always talk about, like, what's his drive stock and all that stuff. I don't think that's really that important for this conversation, but I think that one thing that is definitely fair to say is that, you know how um, there's certain guys with this program that are revered, and, you know, if they were at a bar on the corner, they wouldn't have to buy a drink. The Sean Moores, you know, especially, you know, with people that saw him play, uh, Heath Miller, Matt Schaub, um, Chris Long, right? You know, and uh, he is now in that group. Like, you know, yeah, 10 years that, from sure. now when he's done playing football or whatever, he wants to just like come back and hang out and do his thing in Charlottesville. He will be like treated like a he king. should be royalty. Yeah. Right. I mean, like for sure he is definitely in that class of, of player now. Um, before we get started with hoops, let me make sure I do not forget the ad read this week. Caps Corner Podcast brought to you tonight by the good folks over at Second String Sports and Stewart's Draft. Second String Sports has all the 2020 gear from Louisville Slugger 
Demarini Wilson Easton Evo Shield, as well as quality used gear. So if you play football, baseball, softball, or soccer, you can find the gear that you need at Second String Sports. Let's say you have something from last season that you aren't using anymore. You can bring it to Second String and get a credit towards your next purchase. And if you're looking to purchase a new bat, but you're not sure which one to get, Second String has a, a demo zone where they can uh, let you try out the bats for, uh, and uh, talk to you about the best bat for your swing. Second String uh, also has a large selection of Wilson A2000 and A2K gloves and is a Wilson Glove of the Month retailer. You can check out what they have to offer at their store just outside Waynesboro, 2627 Stewart's Draft Highway. Or you can check them out online right now, Second String Sports. That's second with a two. First String Quality, First String Service, Second String Sports. Our thanks to Second String for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. All right, so Virginia basketball gets that crap beat out of them by Purdue uh, and then bounces back and uh, holds – North Carolina at 47 points. The second time, the um, I guess the first time since 1947, nope, I guess that's interesting, that the uh, the Heels have been held to under 50 points in back-to-back games. Apparently happened several times that year. But anyway, for, for Virginia's purposes, kind of the bounce back they needed. They got a, a good look at Justin McCoy, got a good look at uh, Francisco Cafaro. But, man, I mean – could you what what more could you have asked for other than maybe you know um getting Braxton Key back a little earlier right like it was for all in all for all purposes I thought for bounce back purpose you know that was what Virginia needed for let's start with you uh where are you at with this team right now I mean I know in in our past shows and certainly in conversations we've had offline not a big fan of their offensive potential um but where do you where do you kind of how do you kind of uh, frame where they are right now? I would say, uh, well, I think we saw some promising things in the North Carolina game. I, th- I thought we saw signs of life. Um, anybody who thinks that's a good offensive performance is wrong. Um, it's not. But they played better, and that's good. Um, and it was encouraging to see that without Braxton Key. And and really, if you just look at what they've done on the season, their wins and losses, and who they played, and and where they are in ACC play with two wins already, I think they're in a good spot to win a bunch of games and have a really good record and potentially a good seed in the ACC and NCAA tournament. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought that the gritty effort on Sunday to to bounce back and play a lot better at home. Obviously, I, th- I think North Carolina is struggling a bit. You know, obviously, it wasn't just the UVA game where they couldn't really score. Um, but, I mean, it's still a big win that I think you'll look back at the end of the season and be like, that was, you know, one of their better wins of the season and, and a necessary one considering what happened at Purdue on Wednesday. Uh, but, yeah, um, I mean, they go into the break. You know, hopefully Braxton Key can get healthy and come back and, and, and they'll be able to bounce back and continue to grow on what they did on Sunday. Um but, you know, it's still a long way from a, a finished product. Uh, you know, North Carolina didn't exactly put up a great offensive performance like Purdue did, uh, but clearly UVA's defense was, you know, did more than enough to win the game, and, and, and they scratched out enough points on offense to kind of pull away. But um, I still feel pretty good about, like, you know, where this team's going to end up. It's just, uh, you know, I'm still... In, I'm, I, that game doesn't change my opinion of like the offensive ceiling or, or overall outlook. So they shot 35% from three, six of 17, 30, which is like a huge 7, improvement. <laughs> yeah, for real. That's like double what they did. Um, 32.7% from the floor, 16 to 49 only had only 13 turnovers. Um, look, I'm not going to get too up in arms about a game when you, 
you know, you lead North Carolina, regardless of what they're ranked, for 32 minutes of the game, right? But I'm, I'm like Ferber. Like, this is kind of who who we saw UVA but somewhere, but some the, the truth is somewhere in the middle, right, of how bad they were against Purdue. But we have not seen – I don't know if we've seen, like, the ceiling, so to speak, right? So where is the outlier, the positive outlier that helps us understand where that middle ground can be? Yeah, I think they'll eventually go out, hit one of those. Like they'll have a yeah, game where yeah, they for score sure. like seventy-two points. You know, if they if they continue to only shoot thirty-two percent from the floor, right? Or they're only gonna you know they're gonna make six threes. Um, for me, it's something I said earlier in in the um, in the season, right? Like you can't be that inefficient and also be as terrible at shooting the basketball as Virginia has been and think you're gonna win, right? And on some level, you got to clean that up. Um, I, I thought. In this game, they had a toughness about them um, that was good. Kafaro's influence was clear. McCoy's influence was clear. I thought Statman, Morcell even hit a couple shots. Um, his 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 penchant for hitting tough shots is is going to be legendary, I think. Um, but I mean, you largely did this with you know Jay Huff did not score. He was 0 for four from the field. He played just 14 minutes. Um, it, it it's kind of like it just in some ways confirmed for me what we already kind of thought, right? Which is that this is going to be an offensively challenged team that needs to come, that needs to coalesce, maybe a little less freedom offensively. And they did that. They went back to blocker mover. I mean, Carolina might be talented. Baycoat obviously banged up a little bit. Dude, are we sure Cole Anthony likes any of the guys on his team? Like, I don't think I've ever seen a point guard who just seemed that dismissive of everybody on his roster. Like it's maybe not with maybe Bayco was like the one dude he seemed okay with, but I mean he didn't have a single assist. He took fifteen shots. I mean he played thirty six minutes at point guard. He didn't have a single assist. Now granted, as a team they only had seventeen field goals, right? And they were one for fourteen from three. But man, like I, I, ugh, that's going to be a long season for Roy. But in terms of UVA, I, I just feel like in a lot of ways it's solidified for me like that's kind of what UVA should look like right this UVA team probably should look like that what do you think Dave yeah I mean yeah I think I mentioned on the last podcast to me this team is going to depend on some guys who don't have you know don't have the feathers in their cap if you will you know proof of what they can do and I mean I I said I think this team's going to have to feast at home because those type of players tend to do much better when they have a home crowd behind them um like, you know, Kafaro and McCoy and uh, even Statman um, and then Walden Tensai. Like, they and all play better. I think the better. defense becomes, like, more imposing, like, with yeah. the crowd behind it. Yeah, and then the slumps, you know, you're not getting joked on when you have a slump. You're getting that encouragement, you know, to keep going. So there's going to be games at home. Like, I think if we start like that on the road in Carolina, we'd probably lose. Um, but at home, you can, you can survive it. So I, I don't know that I saw a whole lot that makes me think this team is – rapidly improving other than I think we have a couple of pieces we need to figure out how to work in more especially if Jay's going to continue to struggle um I mean it doesn't seem like Braxton's going to be out too much longer um I, I do like the energy McCoy brings so I think you know trying to figure out a way to get him some minutes when the team's kind of in a in a slump um during an, a particular game will be good I, I thought you know I don't know what the ceiling is for this team's three-point shooting. My guess is not as good as we saw Saturday. You know, they probably won't shoot that well for an entire game regularly. Um, if they can get near that, I think this team has a really good potential. Um, 
I did like some of the threes they got. Now I like seeing Walden Tensai a little more um sort of looking for a little more aggressive with this shot. Yeah. Uh, and there was a confidence in his in, in 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 his overall game. I thought that was pretty clear. Once yeah, yeah I thought he I thought he made it. one and it was like, okay, you know, like he settled into the game a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, and I think one thing that probably that maybe didn't get talked about enough to me was how aggressive Statman got at, at points. Um yeah. like he can't yeah. just sit outside the the three-point line and shoot because his shot's a little slow. So guys will just wait and then go out and slot, swat it. But if if they've got to hesitate, worry about him dribble driving on them, you know, he's he's not going to be Joe Harris this year. But it just gives you one more weapon in a team that can play defense like this one. A guy who can get you two or you know two or three points every now and then can be a big difference. So yeah, I, I was encouraged. It, it, anytime you beat Carolina, it's a good day. Um, you know, after you know. It's two and zero in ACC, and you know it feels like that loss to Purdue feels so much bigger than just one game for some reason. It's like it was just a slap in the face to where the program was. Um, well, they'll I, be I okay. It, it, yeah, no, I think you're you're. I think you're not completely off base there. I think for a lot of people, it does it did feel that way. The question is, is it the catalyst that they needed to make some changes or what have you? It certainly sounded from talking to the kids like maybe that was a thing. I, I think. You know, Tony admitted in the, in the post game for in uh, after Carolina that maybe he didn't play Cafaro enough um, against Purdue. If nothing else, this game will, will be a little bit of a launching point for for McCoy and Cafaro in the sense of at least now Virginia realizes that they do have some answers off the bench that maybe they didn't think they had before this game, and the fact that they showed up against Carolina, you know, on the heels of a of a bad blowout like that, you know. Is kind of interesting, but overall, I just kind of think that Virginia's best chance right now is to basically kind of keep the thing in between the white lines until Key is back, and then there's going to be that adjustment period, right? Because he hasn't played in a few games, and so he's got to get himself back physically in the right spot. There's a comfort level kind of cohesions gel, you know, thing that has to work. Um, if they can, they got to stay healthy. Um, they need more, I, and, and I'm not I'm not trying to put anybody on blast or anything like that. But I do think they need more from Mamadi. Mamadi is too talented uh, a kid to kind of have these lulls in games. Now, I understand in this game he's in, he's in foul trouble. He only plays what uh, 28 minutes, only 28 minutes. But you know he, um, you know he's five of five from the free throw line. So I mean that has been a the, the free throw shooting in general has been a, a, a bugaboo, but. I mean, he's he's got to be more assertive. He's got to be um, he's got to find a comfort on the floor at being the guy, um, which can't just include him taking threes. You know, he's three of seven from deep in this game. Which, excuse me, he's one of one, three of seven from the floor. But he's not he's not going to just be a three point shooter, right? Like he's he's going to have to go and score. You know, he's going to have to go get a bucket now. For right now, teams are not going to respect UVA at the three-point line to be able to, to stretch out a defense, right? You're going to have to manufacture some stuff. And I thought they did something of a better job in this game trying to get the ball in the post, but they got to do a much better job getting the ball in the post. It, you know, whether it's, you know, throw inside, re, you know, goes back out, repost, that kind of thing. Like they got to they need to keep people moving and that's one way they can do it because teams will respect Dikite inside. Um, but ultimately this team has to have, like right now, down down a point with 13 seconds to go. Who do you want taking a shot? Like who is the guy? 
I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm not entirely sure that Casey Morsell's not the guy because he seems to be the most confident going to the rim, right? I'm trying to get Kihei on a drop. <laughs> but and and then and that's a good point. Kihei in this game, he looked to me like a guy who thinks way too much. Like he's got a, he's he is he is that he's doing that thing that every coach says, right? He's, you know, guy, you know, trying to make you know trying to make too many plays. Kihei, whether it's passes or drives or you know he's doing that thing where he's trying to dribble around a guy stop and then start dribbling again like he's trying to find his way and that's going to take some time he was in some in some ways spoiled because he had just shooters everywhere last year right his ability to get to the line to the to the lane last year was was always going to be different than it was going to be this year um and he's got to adjust to that and i think he will but i i'm serious like i don't know right now who takes a shot um and that's kind of that's that's a problem, right? Like as good as their defense has been, and as good as it was in this game. I mean, look, Carolina might be bad on offense, but you still got to go out there and make them be bad. And they shot seven point one percent from three, like that didn't just like happen, right? Um, some of that is UVA's defense, and I think as they go forward, when Virginia plays a team that plays good defense, the Cavaliers are going to struggle. When they play a team like Carolina, who doesn't doesn't seem to make defense a top priority isn't a very physical team, like, they're probably going to be okay. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of the nature of the beast. Um, yeah, I mean, anyway. overall, I think it's going to be an interesting year because I, I I don't think this Virginia team has, you know, they definitely don't have a ceiling last year. Whether they have a ceiling good enough to make a run to the final, I don't know. But the more basketball you watch every day, like, maybe it's not out of play if they all kind of Well, that's the thing is, of all the years, I, I think I made this comment to Ferber, but of all the years for – for UVA to kind of quote unquote be down, man, it kind of sucks that this is a year because if like even if they were like an average sort of, you know, recent UVA team, that that they would beat the crap out of everybody, right? Because this year there there's just so much parity, but yeah. that might be in a good thing anyway for them because they might be one of those teams. That yeah, you can look them. at it conversely and be like that gives them a chance to yeah to be right there. Yeah, because yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, um, Louisville and Maryland lost while we're recording this podcast tonight. So. Yeah, that's true. Couldn't happen. I hate Maryland. Sorry. Um, so I, I don't know. As as they go forward, closing out, I do think you're 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 going to get um, Braxton back fairly soon. He seemed. I mean, we're not going to make a mountain out of a molehill of an Instagram post, but seemed to be intimating as much. So I wouldn't. I I, I don't think he'll be out as long as people feared. Um, even you know once he wasn't able to sweat or whatever it was. Um, and I think it'll take some adjusting. But I think by the time you know you get to January. You know, and you look at the schedule and sort of where things are in the ACC. I mean, there's not – I mean, Louisville's probably the only team in the ACC that really gives me pause, right, because they play a similar sort of pack defense with, and they've got some length and some talent. Um, other than that, I mean, what are, you, what are you scared of in the ACC, right? Like, on a night-to-night basis? I mean, who the heck knows? Um, I don't so really it worry be about the ACC. We're a national contender now. <laughs> um. So anyway, I mean, if you I, look I, at their schedule, it's like coming up Stony Brook, South Carolina, Navy. They should win all those games, right? And then you go into January, Virginia Tech at home, Boston College on the road, Syracuse at home, already beat them. Then they go to Florida State, who's pretty good. And then Georgia Tech at on the road, NC State at home, Wake on the road, Florida State again. Like, am I missing something? Like, they could win all these games. Yeah, Clemson that's at true. Home. Then they go to Louisville on the 8th of February. So that's yeah, like so how many games is that in between? That's one, nine, eleven games. They could win like their next eleven games. That's crazy. 
I mean, they might. I don't think they will, but I think they. I could. think ten and one is probably realistic. Yeah, I was gonna say they'll probably split with Florida State. Yeah, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, it it should be interesting nonetheless. Um, I feel like we're gonna say the same thing about this team because unless this, unless these guys, unless like you know, Morcel and and and, and Waldo start shooting at this level, what they shot previously. Like we're we're gonna be talking basically the same thing, which is like okay, they're not gonna, they're not a very good three point shooting team. They got to manufacture points. They need to cut down on turnovers, that kind of thing. Um, was good to see. Um, somehow Virginia had nine assists on sixteen made baskets, which is you know a good solid number. But Kihei had six by himself. Um, there's just there there are these little glimpses of things. And and I'm like Ferber, like I don't think you can look at this and go, yep, the offense woke up. Eh, offense still not that great, but there are these little bits of things if they can string some of them together. You know what I mean? Like that's the, that's really what you're looking for, especially over the rest of the non-conference, right? Like you're not going to learn a whole lot, but you're what you're hoping for is that guys can find a little bit of a groove um, to get them through the you know the the rest of the holidays and such. Uh, anything else for the good of the order before we wrap up this week? All right, hearing. I think uh, we I think we nailed it. Think you think we did it? <laughs> Put a bow on it. If if you are uh, someone who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your shows. Um, also, if you would be so inclined, give us a rating review helps to uh, get us out in front of more people, and we very much appreciate that. Now, if you're somebody who has found the pod but has not given us a look at the, at the website yet, check us out CapsCorner.com. Let's see what I got up there right now. Right now, you can check out. Um, Oh, thank you to Jackie and the crew at the at our Florida site for helping me out with that transcript Sunday night when I was driving back from Charlottesville um, from the Orange Bowl telecon uh, from with Dan Mullen and, and Bronco talking. Um, let's see, I got videos on the site with Mandy Alonzo talking about going home uh, for the bowl game. Joe Reed says he will be back um, for the bowl. Kind of kind of laughed at me a little bit when I asked him the question of whether or not he would be. Uh, as of now, as you listen to this, uh, you can check out the Pro Football Focus grades. Um, before we kind of trans over, trans, yeah, transition over to the postseason in full, um, we'll have – I got some video with Kafaro coming up. Ferber's going to write a, a thing on Bryce Perkins. Um, and then signing day next weekend, we'll have a war room for you Friday morning. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, if you want, if you are uh, so inclined here as well, hit that Fanatics link that's in your podcast app of choice or in the content item for this show. Um, your coastal – championship gear is there your orange bowl gear is there or if you want to buy anything else nfl nba mlb whatever as long as you hit that link um and uh you get to the uh, fanatic site through through that that helps to support us so we very much appreciate that lastly i want to thank thorium wealth and second string sports for their support you can visit thorium wealth online right now thoriumwealth.com t-h-o-r-i-u-m or you can check out secondstringsports.com for all of the things that uh that they offer second with a two uh, again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for being graciously of their time, as always. I very much appreciate all that they do. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.